Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode 31 of the Elevate Business podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Jeff McCann, who is shaking up the insure tech industry, leading his team as CEO at Apollo Insurance. Combining his experience in developing digital marketing solutions and 10 plus years in the industry, Jeff is shaping the future of how people buy insurance. He is also a professional travel writer, and you can find his publications at the Vancouver Sun and National Post. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me here. It's great. Our pleasure. So tell us about yourself, your company, and a little bit about your journey. Yeah, without a doubt, uh, you kind of gave the the intro on Apollo Insurance. We're an online insurance provider, and um, we work both with insurance brokers and and customers to make it easier. You know, I think no one no one gets excited in the morning about their insurance purchase. So to be able to take sort of a paper based six week process and all the back and forth down to about five minutes, totally online, twenty four seven. I think we're providing something that customers you know is in line with their expectations and and align with the expectations of what we get in the rest of our uh, our world. And you know, when I came out of university, I was at uh, a big four accounting for firm. It was cloud-based, very forward-thinking, and coming into the insurance industry, it was like going back in time. You know, people were printing emails and putting them in files on the shelf, and and it was kind of like, wow, this time work. And so spent the better part of the last decade as vice president marketing and e-commerce and vice president digital strategy at a large brokerage group, kind of helping them innovate and move that ship. But inevitably, big companies are, are, are hard to shift. And so we're like, you know what, we have to spin out um, start a business from scratch and be able to kind of innovate and run as fast as we can to be able to solve the problems we're working on. Mm, that sounds really interesting. And so what was it that turned you from actually going from corporate to starting your own OFED? I think that it's a it's a product of the Vancouver ecosystem. You know, I you sort of we were very fortunate to have the hoot suites of the world and and some of these companies kind of leading the way. And then when you're surrounded by entrepreneurs and people who had started businesses, um, you know, there was a very marquee kind of moment with a, a mentor advisor of ours. We sat down and had a beer. He had built a, a company over about 13 years and, and ended up having a great exit. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, like all these people are starting businesses in other areas of tech, we can go do that. So I think when you have friends that are kind of starting and creating businesses, um, jumping off that cliff doesn't seem as, as dangerous or as hard because you've kind of seen them go through it. And, and there's that mortal aspect to it where you're like, well, I know them. I, they're a real person. They're doing it. Uh, we can probably get after it and, and do it as well. Mm. What I really like there, Jeff, is the importance of who you surround yourself with and how they influence your actions and how the fact that you had people around you that already done this and done it successfully kind of helped bring down that uh, the idea uh, of like the entrepreneur on a pedestal 
and saying like, hey, man, these are real people doing real things. And you know what? Why can't I do that? I think that's, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Without a doubt. And I think the word entrepreneur is kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a weird word, right? And I think, you know, people use it in different ways. And it's, it has kind of created this, you know, there's a, something that comes with that word. And, and I think that there's sort of the titans that, that people look up to, the Elon Musks and that. And, and there's a lot around, around that entrepreneurship. But also there's just a lot of people that are just everyday people that are building great businesses. And so I think it really breaks that barrier when you're surrounded with people that have done it. And, and then, you know, they can also help and advise you too. You say, well, you know, how did you go solve this problem? Because they've been there before and they've already solved it. It makes it a little bit easier when you have great mentors and great advisors around you when you go start something. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you hear now that when it comes to building something, it's not about building that thing. It's about solving a problem. And that was a really strong point that you had is you seen a problem in the market and you were aiming um, to successfully solve it. Switching gears just slightly around performance, what does that word bring up for you? Performance is definitely an interesting word. I mean, I, I played sports all the way through growing up and, um, you know, ended up playing football at university. And so I think performance was always something that was really um, a focus of mine. Um, and I think that that kind of grit and work ethic goes a long way. You know, I was never really the the, the most talented athlete um, just uh, on a raw basis, but I was always able to work hard through that and sort of drive that performance. So I think for me, the word resonates around hard work, preparation, and then putting in the extra grind. Um, and I think you can translate that when you start a company, the extra hours you have to put in, because you got to sometimes overcompensate for the things you don't know by mm-hmm. learning, by reading, by talking to advisors. And I think where we translate that word performance for me is the word execute. I think execution is something that that is taken for granted. People think you go start a business and it's just all going to happen, but you have to sort of be able to knock things off the list and your performance is measured by how much can you execute and can you do what you say you're going to do month over month, quarter over quarter. That gives your investors confidence. It gives your team and your employees confidence. So for me, performance is all about execution. Mm. I love that synopsis. <laughs> I think that is definitely one of the better uh, ways we've heard somebody define performance and really making it come down to the execution behind that. And so I guess I'm curious as to, you know, stepping into this, this new role for yourself, shifting from more of the corporate environment to starting your own business. What have been some key learnings you've had uh, stepping into that role of, of CEO and leading a team? Yeah, it's a that's a great question, and I think um, being a first time CEO, there's there's a lot to a lot to learn. For me, the path has really been to choose authenticity, and so the more authentic that I can be, um, I think that resonates with the team. It resonates with investors. Being able to say what you don't know as much as demonstrate your expertise and what you do know, I think um, really gives people confidence that you're not going to to embellish, you're not going to to overreach on things. And I think if you check your ego at the door, then it's a lot easier to be a great teammate. And I think that's the biggest thing about you know being a CEO. When you're in this vulnerable position, you're very much kind of alone. Uh, if you can bring your collaborators in with you because you drop your ego and you can demonstrate that vulnerability and be authentic, I think that goes a long way. And so for me, it was just from the beginning, it was just be authentic, be myself. And 
you know, even a great mentor and co-founder of mine, Drew Green, he sat me down and when we raised a couple million bucks and, and then we raised, you know, 13 and a half in our last round. And he's like, well, wait till you raise a hundred million. Like you just got to stay authentic and be that same person. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me. And it's, it's played out well in the relationships with the team, relationships with investors and all the way through just the bigger it gets and the more unreal everything gets, you check your bank account one day and you got whatever, you know, 14 million bucks in it. You're like, all right, you just got to stay the course on just being yourself and being authentic. Mm, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting points there that really speak to the landscape of true leadership these days with regards to, you know, the candor, the authenticity, the transparency, the grit, <laughs> stepping up and doing what you say, what you say you're going to do. So tell us a little bit more about your vision for the team at Apollo Insurance. Well, one of the, you, you just used a word there that's, that always sticks out to me, and that's candor. And we actually have candor as one of our core values, one of our corporate values. And, you know, it's, a, it's a unique and a, a, something you don't see often to have a value like that. But we drive that into the team every single day. Mm-hmm. And so for us, when we talk about like that question, like, how do we interact with the team? We always root things in the values. And we're probably one of the few places, definitely the first place I've ever been, where values are used in conversation. You're going to hear them in meetings. You're going to hear them on calls. You're going to hear people say them and sort of use them almost sometimes as permission. I mean, sometimes you'll say, okay, candor is a core value. And then you know you're about to get something real. It's almost like, <laughs> you know, no offense, but. Um, and so it's, I think it's a great thing for the team to have permission to be like, listen, like I have to say this. and as a leader, I want the team to feel empowered that way because they're the ones that are going to know if there's cracks in the foundation or something's going on. That's a great opportunity or something that we have to really address. And if they can't have that candor and they're, you know, again, like they don't feel that they can trust that they're going to have a helper and a CEO. I think that it's hard to be successful. So uh, candor and our values, I think, drive the team forward um, every day. That's just something that you know, my girlfriend always makes fun of me. She just laughs and ha- hashtag candor always is making fun of me just because she hears <laughs> me say that word so many times in a day. That's fantastic. And we really appreciate you sharing that example of how you're aligning your culture to your everyday actions and because that's so important. Yeah, I completely agree. And so I'm curious, Jeff, in terms of, you know, you mentioned the, the importance of values in the organization how you guys utilize these and actually ingrain them in your everyday conversations and almost leverage them as ways of being like, hey, I'm going to be authentic here by mentioning candor and you might not like it. Um, Have you had any um, growth pains or any pain points in terms of actually growing your team and and looking to scale your business? And how have you handled those? Yeah, it's, um, you know, building and growing a team. I think it's it's really my most important mission is building a great team and and as a CEO in a tech business or in our business, it's an intangible product. We don't have machinery. We don't have factories. We've got people. Mm-hmm. And so even though they're writing code or they might be doing marketing or whatever it is, all it's an entirely a people business. So that's a huge focus. I think we've kind of gone through three, I'd say, phases of growth. One is you're, you're myself and my co-founder. We're in the living room of a house and we're like, all right, it's the two of us. We've got a company now. And so convincing people to join that um, is, isn't easy, right? Um, I think there's a lot of great stories about people that join the startup early and, and they end up, you know, with a big exit and, and the team gets the benefit. But, you know, our first two employees, I mean, they rang the doorbell at the house and they came and sat in the living room and, and that's where we worked. And 
you know, we, there was no food around uh, in the neighborhood and, and we were kind of in a, in a suburban area. And so, you know, we would like make lunch in the kitchen or we barbecue. And so I think that first growth phase was like, how do you convince people to be crazy enough to join a team? Um, one of our staff, her husband came by the house and he's just like, oh no, like what, what is this legit or what, what is this? (laughs) And so I think that was sort of the first phase is how do you convince people to be crazy enough to join? We were very fortunate to have that early founding team, um, do that. The next phase was getting up to about 10 people. And then it's about kind of, you know, processes a little bit more, um, empowering people, selecting great talent, fitting that early culture. You can't really have a bad apple in that early culture. Um, Mm. it's really, really tough when you're four people to go to five, that fifth person is going to impact everyone if they're not the right fit. And then going from 10 to 50, particularly remotely, um, it's really about process, good hiring structure, good onboarding, building out teams instead of it being sort of, I I refer to it almost like mini, like kids soccer, where everyone's running around solving the same thing. Well, now everyone's got to split out and and you don't don't know what's going on as much, but you have to trust your teammates to be doing what their job is so that you focus on your own. Whereas when you're only 10 people, everyone kind of dives in on the same problem. So I think that those have been our challenges through those three phases. And any entrepreneur that starts a business, uh, you know, I've got a ton of respect for or just them getting out there. But I got more respect for the crazy people that join the business when it's <laughs> into one's living room or garage. And those people never get enough credit. So um, they got a big place in my heart. Mm, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And what I'm hearing is that you gauge oftentimes your team members, not just on performance metrics, but there's a lot of those human skills that come into play as to, you know, ensuring there isn't quote unquote bad apples in the mix. So things like trust and following the vision of your candor and ensuring that you have the right environment in there as well, be it the processes that you kind of lean on to make sure that you can continue to expand. Yeah, I think even even now, like I don't, you know, we have people that do the technical interviews, but for mm-hmm. me, like I meet everybody and I do a values interview because mm-hmm. even at, you know, the first 50, we got to build a really strong foundation to be able to make sure that, that we can go to 500 and we don't lose that culture because everyone's an ambassador of it. So even still today, I have that values check and that values interview to make sure people fit. And so whether it's 10 people or, or at 50, having that candor and those values is just so critical. And when you're a startup, I mean, when you're five people, everyone has 10 jobs. So there's no real job description for, hey, you're going to have 10 jobs. All we really have is, do you, can you come in here, be a teammate, pick up work, support your teammates? But just, you know, adventure is one of our core values. You just kind of enjoy the adventure. You know, every day is going to be a bit different. And if you like that kind of environment, then you're going to thrive. And some people really want a very specific, narrow job. And, you know, that's why startups aren't a great place for them. But the ones that can just come in and, you know, pick up jobs and, and have 10 hats. Well, they're going to be successful. And we thrive as a result. Exactly. And so in speaking in that kind of startup landscape, what challenges do you face uh, with keeping team members or employees aligned with your company and vision? Yeah, I think, you know, having the vision just constantly in front of people. Um, is really important having the values um, rooted in everything we do and then using really similar language throughout. So we, we have kind of a mantra every year. Last year, our mantra was accelerate through this phase. You know, the, it was the theme of, all right, either we can sit and wait for the pandemic to be over or we can kind of like cower in fear or we can say, what can we control? Let's get after it. So we would sort of, you'd hear that every single day, accelerate through this phase. People sign off on their emails, accelerate through this phase. 
And this year it's execute with momentum. So we got to complete tasks fully and we're going to measure that as, as a product of mass and velocity. Are we getting bigger as a business? Are we moving faster from a velocity? And so having those types of mantras, I think, really help us. And then just hearing the values day to day, you know, the team, it's easier for them to be like, all right, I get it. Because they've heard me say candor 72 times in their first week. They're like, okay, candor's important because you're hearing the word candor or adventure or you know, integrity or whatever value it is. You're going to hear it in meetings and conversation. It's not just like, here's your employee handbook, dust it off, and you never look back at it. Um, it's really about hearing it in the culture. I think that that's what keeps the team together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm curious, and you know, you mentioned the mantra of last year and facing, you know, this uh, this pandemic we've all been experiencing, and how you're looking to, you know, grow despite it. Um, what was did you face any challenges, or what is the impact in your team's performance and actually transitioning to kind of a remote workforce and and growing a remote team, as you had mentioned? Yeah, you know, we were set up as a remote business from the start, and I was traveling so much back and forth between whether it was Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary, you know, I was on a five flights a month. So it was important for me to be able to engage the team effectively, whether I was in a coffee shop in the airport or with them in person. So we were already on Zoom. We were already on Slack. We were already entirely cloud-based. Everybody got a laptop. Nobody had desktop computers. And so those types of things were important. We already had people in, in different areas and regions across the country. Um, And then I've always said, like, I want to be on the beach in Costa Rica somewhere, you know, but getting my work done. And I want my team to have that same opportunity. So the transition, I think, wasn't um, wasn't really hard for the existing team. Um, I think working from home is a mental health transition. I think being around people and the social aspect of the team, you spend so much time with your teammates. You know, I miss that. And I think that's something that um, is hard to recreate. Um, And we want, you know, people to feel like they're just like beyond the work collaboration, people just feel like they've got a relationship. They've got friends. They can sort of those little chit chats used to have in the mm. hall or in kind of the, the lunchroom or we used to throw events like those types of things. I think you have to be a little more deliberate around. And, and that's been a challenge for any business. I think we've done a pretty good job with it, but, but certainly not easy to, it's not about engagement. We've got a great team, but it's just that mm. mental health side of like the relationship deeper than the work you're doing with someone. Mm, yeah. And you said a few things uh, in there with regards to the mental health side of it. So it's not the same on the people side of things and being able just to have the freedom to reach out when and and if and how you want to. So what have you kind of done differently or pivoted uh, to ensure the mental health uh, side of things or support that your that your team needed through the past year or so? Yeah, it's been something that we're just, you know, continually working on and continually sort of working with. Um you know, even simple things like empowering employees that we bought everyone stand up desks and chairs for home. Like I, we did that pretty early on because I was like this, you know, I don't want someone to be uncomfortable as a starting point. And then you got to have all the tools and everything you need. So that was just as a starting point, do you have the right tools? So you're not frustrated and kind of alone. We, we, we invest a lot in, in the company merch and gear and that. So people feel like they're part of a culture. And then we do a lot of work. We, we invest a lot of time in people spending time together as a team. 
mm-hmm. so that they feel a bit more connected. I know other companies that you know have never done a company-wide meeting at all since the pandemic started. And so people are feeling very disconnected. Um, they're feeling kind of alone, or if they're feeling like they're having a tough time in their job, they don't have peers that they can reach out to. But for us, we do spend a lot of time. We've got a weekly, you know, all hands meeting. We've got a lot of knowledge sharing. And then we really invested in our HR function. I don't mm-hmm. think HR is an admin function. I think we have to be proactive. And so by investing there, I think that it's like, do they have someone to reach out to if things are challenging? Can they build a relationship beyond the work so they feel like they're safe with their peers and they can kind of have that trust? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not perfect. It's always something we have to keep growing in and keep investing in, but we're really trying to make that effort um, to make sure people are comfortable and kind of that they have a relationship. And if there is something going on, they can trust their peers to, to share that. Mm, And it sounds like you're really looking at it from a vantage point of systems, processes, things, and ensuring that you have your finger on the pulse with all of your team members, regardless of the size of your group and and how you're scaling. So that's fantastic. Yeah, there's no right answer. And and again, it's like working with other peers, learning from other companies and and trying to say, hey, what are you doing? How can we borrow from that? How can we pick that up? You know, are we seeing a dip or... You know, how's someone doing and just making sure that within teams, people are kind of just on the top of their mind. Like, you know what? You can't really tell much from a Zoom call with 50 faces on it. And so it's all those little interactions. Hey, you know, this person hasn't really been as active lately. And do their teammates kind of see that? And and can they build that rapport? I mean, it's 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 always within um, the little teams, those little interactions where you notice, you know what? Something's a bit off. I Maybe we should check in with them, see how they're doing and make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we really appreciate your sharing, Jeff. And I guess that in coming to a close, we'd like to hear what are three words of inspiration that you'd want the world to hear? Well, I don't know about three, three specific words. I mean, I can give you three, three of our values that, that go a long way. I think candor is critical. <laughs> Got to enjoy the adventure and you have to have integrity. And so I'll leave you with those three. And those are three of our corporate values and, and my values personally. So mm. uh, those are, I think, just something that's critical. And for any entrepreneur or business person out there, I mean, just choose authenticity. No one, you know, it's a tough time out there. Uh, Being authentic, I think goes a long way with your peers and we can Mm -hmm. solve problems together and uh, we'll all get through this together. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you very much, Jeff, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. We really appreciate you sharing your entrepreneurial insights with Intuity Performance and our subscribers. For those who would like to learn more about your business, we're going to provide a link to your company's profile on the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business Podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter, and learn more about our Whole Person Leadership Services. Sounds interesting? Explore the Whole Person Leadership Cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.